This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. But this is your fight. Hey, what's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Bat Fans. Yes, we're still here. This is episode 177. My name is Tim. I'll be your host for this episode. But joining me, as always, is Dane. Dane, how's it going? It's going pretty good. You know, I'm really excited to talk about our future topic. Um, oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's probably probably the biggest the, the biggest piece of news um, since we last recorded. I would say so, yeah. even though there's a pretty big one for me, which I'll get to later, but mm-hmm. <laughs> not quite on the level of yeah. what we're going to talk about. Something you've been uh, talking about every single episode, too. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Talking every single time, yeah. Or complaining. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, yeah, so we got some fun stuff to talk about on this one, so... I guess we'll just go ahead and jump right into it. I mean, with our let's get into our Dark Knight Rides is minute by minute commentary. So um, I think this one might actually hit a big portion if the minute goes as long as, or I should say, if the scenes we see go as long for the minute we're going to cover on this episode, we might get to a big point in the Dark Knight Rides as well. So we'll see. 
Um, but as always, you can grab your relevant media formats, your VHS, your Betamax tape, your Laserdisc, your DVD, your HD DVD, Blu-ray. And you know what? Pretty soon we might be adding 4K, Dane, because I'm seeing TVs being advertised, AK TVs being yeah, advertised AK. now. I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Like, that, 4K hasn't even really yeah. established itself as like, you know, the more revel- prevalent media format to watch things. It's like, are already jumping to 8K? Like, ah. Well, at least 4K will be cheap. That's you true. Know, <laughs> it's going to be the old thing and, you know, people are going to be on the 8K and that's going to be the new expensive one. At some point, um, I, I just want it to end. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm all about expanding technology, making quality, the quality better, but yeah. it's going to get as good as it gets pretty soon and not got to stop with these constant upgrades that seem to be quicker and quicker. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, we'll it see. Seems like, and it seems like um, the the TV, you know, space, I guess you mm-hmm. could say, hasn't really made a misstep, you know, where it's like, this is going to be the new big technology of the future, but we may, we've made a mistake and it's not. Right. Yeah. Uh huh. Like, yeah. Like, um, was it the Xbox One and the PlayStation Four were big on the motion thing, right? Mm. The uh, motion controls. Well, actually, more 360 and PS3. Oh, 360 and PS3. Mm. But but didn't the Xbox One you had to have the Connect at first? Yeah, but then yeah. they got so much backlash for it that right, right. they decided not to make it a requirement. And it yeah, didn't last so, that long, even like the bundles they had with it. Yeah, so like everybody was thinking like, okay, so this motion control thing, you know, you got the Wii with the with the remote, you know, you got the Connect and the PlayStation VR or not VR, uh, whatever it was called. The PlayStation Move. Move, right? <laughs> and then you know this is gonna be the future, but then it ends up not being the future, and it's they they think now it's gonna be the VR. You know, you got the PlayStation VR. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the does the Xbox have one? They do. No, right? they don't have anything yet. Oh, I thought they did. Um, Maybe they will at E three. Yeah, but not really a big mess up in TV. So I the, I think either way, you know, you're fine. If you buy eight K, you're good. Mm-hmm. And if you buy a four K, that's still good. For so, yeah, for at least a good a few more years anyway. Yeah. I think the only maybe this step might be a little strong, but some that didn't last very long in the TV front is 3D. I mean, that okay. that lasted a few years as a phase, but now I don't even make 3D TVs anymore, really, or stuff that takes advantage of it. It just seems to be such a feature that no one really cares about anymore, yeah. like they did earlier in the decade. Or even like the, the curved screens. I don't really see that many people with that. Uh, I still see a few of them. I view of them yeah. in stores, but man, I really don't like that little look. Yeah, and plus, I think those TVs you got to sit like a certain amount of feet back from uh, the TV. So, like, if you don't have the room or whatever, it's like, what's the point of getting one of those? You know? Yeah. Man, so. hopefully those will like totally be phased out, and those aren't even an option anymore. Cause I don't see how that could be appealing to anyone <laughs> looking for a new TV that style. But apparently, there are, I guess. Yeah. And always, I can't forget our favorites: Netflix physical media, your blockbuster certificate, membership card, and as always, your VHS to DVD converter—the <laughs> only way to watch movies. <laughs> the only way to watch movies. 
Everyone yeah. enjoy your 4K and 8K. Me and Dane will be sitting here <laughs> watching our VHS to DVD converter copy. <laughs> so without further ado, we are on the one hour and 25, uh, or I should say the 125th minute and the two hour and five minute mark on the film. So are you ready, Dane? As always, Tim. All right. So three, two, one, play as we're going to hear Lucius give drop another hint about the autopilot, which I don't know, but I think I'll just so into the movie. I think I've said this before that that bit of dialogue, I wasn't really paying attention to or not realizing just yet that that is going to be the out for Bruce to survive, <laughs> but yeah. I was just rolling along with it. Well, they really ha- hammer it home, you know? <laughs> yeah. When you watch when I watched the second time, I was like, yeah, they really did say it quite right. a few times <laughs> on the course of the film. <laughs> How do you know where the how do you know where the ice begins and the snow ends? The ground from ground ends on that. Yeah, maybe that's just why <laughs> everyone has that cautious look on their face <laughs> and just moving so very slowly. John Big's about to get the first police officer out. This scene always bums me out. The police officer, John Blake's partner, has been trapped under there for so long. He finally gets out and he gets shot right in the back. <laughs> that sucks. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I don't mean to laugh at somebody being shot. I know. So, that henchman that shot him by being, I hope he got what was coming to him. But that's it for the minute on this one. We didn't get quite to that moment. I thought we would, a Batman appearing when Gordon lights that flare. But probably in the next one or not too distant future, we'll finally get to see Batman again in costume, which has been a year. Yeah. (laughs) That actually (laughs) might be pretty accurate. (laughs) So the wait is almost over for more Batman in the dark Knight rises minute by minute commentary. (laughs) But with that, we can go ahead and get into our feature topic, which is, I mean, you can obviously guess what we're hinting at at the beginning of the episode. Knowing how big of a fans me and Dane are of Star Wars, how ever since Disney bought Lucasfilm, any big bit of news, trailer stuff, we cannot help but talk about it. So the first trailer for Episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker, we're going to dive into it on this episode. Celebration just happened last week as we're recording this one. And man, what a great celebration it was. There was so much content to look forward to. We knew we were going to get the Episode Nine panel. We had the Mandalorian panel. We had the Clone Wars panel. Then they had some other cool stuff, like the Star Wars Rebels Remembered panel, the Phantom Menace 20th Anniversary panel. Just a lot of stuff going on at Celebration. And I don't think it disappointed at all. Even though I wasn't able to go this year, just following it on the live streams and seeing everyone tweet about it, post Instagram pictures of, you know, cosplayers. It was, I was living through celebration through everyone <laughs> that I follow there and through the live stream. So it was a lot of fun, even for those of us who weren't able to go. But without a doubt, the highlight had to be that Rise of Skywalker trailer and what, how good it was, what it represents, what it means for the saga. Just so much good stuff. I mean, I've, Recorded already two three-hour episodes of the saga continues. Jeez, one is kind of a full recap of all everything at Celebration, but we spent an hour about our reaction to the Rise of Skywalker trailer, mm. and then just a few days ago we recorded our shot-by-shot breakdown of the trailer. Oh which my god, three hours! So. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna hear a lot from me on that. So it's not even counting how long we go on this episode, but uh, 
because I already talked about it so much, I'm anxious to hear your immediate reaction after you saw the trailer, Dane, and how you were feeling. Uh, well, before I get to that, I also have to mention something that you uh, kind of glossed over, Tim, which is we finally got a release date and a pricing scheme for Disney+. Plus. That's right, because that yeah. happened the day before. Yeah, right before, right? Was that like a investor meeting or something? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So November 9th, is it? Uh, 12th, I believe. 12th. Um, and it's going to be $6 or $7 a month for Disney+. Plus. So, yeah, finally, 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 we get a, fr- uh, a release date and a pricing scheme for it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to correct myself. I believe it's the 15th. Oh, okay. 15th. I'm getting confused because another thing that happened at Star Wars Celebration was they revealed a new game, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And that is releasing around the same week. It's I believe that's the 12th and Disney Plus is the 15th. So I think I just had it mixed up. <laughs> but... I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't really know how to feel about that. Um, the, the, the video game, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's going to be like, you know, it's going to be like an EA thing. I think like, like battlefront is right. They got a lot to prove. I'll say that yeah. <laughs> EA about winning yeah, the fans it, back. It's going to be a thing where it's like, there's going to be all this hype and then the game comes out and then people play it for like a month and then nobody plays it again. Or is it going to be like, a a big thing, you know. Well, they're definitely going to try to push it as a big thing. I mean, mm. you got Respawn developing it. Who did Titanfall and uh, one of the, I think one of the newer games is one of those battle royale type games, which I never played yeah. <laughs> and don't yeah. really have an interest in playing those. But Respawn has a good reputation, and the developers there work on other big games like Call of Duty Four, Modern Warfare. So I have confidence that the studio is good. I just hope they have enough time to do what they really wanted to do and they kept stressing at their panel single player only i mean their focus is just on the story for this game and no microtransactions or like that loot crate nonsense that playing battlefront 2 so they're really pushing that this is going to be a totally different experience than what battlefront 2 was yeah i don't know (laughs) because that panel they just showed a cinematic trailer yeah not really showing any gameplay so it looks cool. I mean, the concept isn't entirely new to Star Wars, a Padawan trying to survive after Order 66 and that, but getting kind of pulled back to becoming a Jedi again. It's a little similar to Kanan and Rebels. So it's not that original, but still looks like a cool story to play through. And hopefully the combat is going to be as fun as they're building it up to be. And it's funny that uh, the actor who's going to be playing the main character, Cal, is uh, Cameron Monaghan, who plays Joker, or Jerome slash uh, Jeremiah in Gotham. (laughs) He's having his feet in both worlds, which is awesome. Oh, that's good. Yeah, he was definitely excited on the panel to be be able to join the Star Wars universe. But going back to Disney+, Plus, I mean, you mentioned the price point and the stuff that they announced that's going to be on it. Man, it's such a no-brainer to me for (laughs) anyone who's into this type of stuff to get. You got the Mandalorian, you're going to have pretty much, not all, but most of the Disney animated classics on there. You're going to have Marvel original shows. They announced the Winter Soldier and Captain Falcon, the Loki series, um, Scarlet Witch and Vision, and then the Marvel What Ifs animated series, which is going to be on there, which is going to be like these Elseworlds What If stories, which should be pretty interesting. And then you got all every Pixar movie, I believe, is going to be on there, except for the more recent ones. I think like Toy Story 4 and Coco won't be on there. 
there's just so much. And then to top it off for me as a big fan of the show, every or the first 30 seasons of The Simpsons, I mean, finally they're going to be available on a streaming <laughs> platform. And I mean, yeah, 30 seasons is not all of it yet, but really you just need about the first 12 <laughs> seasons of The Simpsons. And the fact that that's going to be on there too is just awesome. And the price point is so good, seven ninety nine or six ninety nine. But then the annual fee, I believe, is sixty nine, ninety nine, which I think averages up to about five eighty something a month. So it's just a really good deal for the stuff we're going to be getting on there. And every Star Wars movie is going to be on there, except uh, Solo and Last Jedi, because those are still on Netflix. And I believe the, that contract has to run out before those can go on to Disney Plus. But eventually, it will be. But man, uh-huh. I'm I'm signing up day one without question. I mean, I was going to for the Mandalorian, but everything else on there just seems like it's such a no-brainer to do. Now I gotta ask you the big question, Tim. Is it gonna be available on Xbox One and PlayStation 4? I'm glad you asked that, Dean, because <laughs> on their website, after all the stuff came out, they yeah. had a big like press release and I thought it was the first thing I was looking for, and it said <laughs> it will be available on consoles at launch. Oh, good, <laughs> so, good. <laughs> everything I've been going through with the DC Universe app is not gonna be the case with yeah. the Disney Plus, which has me really happy. Did they post the Mandalorian trailer? No, they didn't, which yeah. was unfortunate. It was, well, yeah, of course it's unfortunate for those who aren't there who wants to see the first footage of the live action Star Wars series. But it's kind of cool that there is something that those who attended only got to see. I could kind of respect that. But at the same time, it kind of backfired on Lucasfilm because the bootleg copies leaked everywhere. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can you can easily find them. So to me that just makes it pointless why they decide to do that. You want you don't want to share it. At the same time, you don't want people to see it that way for the first time as well. But you know they're going to. And John Favreau forgot to say don't film it for the first bit of footage of the show. <laughs> he like said it afterwards. Oh, I was supposed to say don't film that, but <laughs> you know if everyone did. So they, so they yeah. show like a behind the scenes video reel. They showed a scene and then they showed a, a trailer and man, it looks awesome just from a crappy bootleg copy <laughs> that I got to see. I can't wait to see, you know, the officially released version. Then everyone who I know was at the panel said it looks incredible. So I think it's going to be, you know, a service seller <laughs> for Disney yeah. Plus. It's going to get tons of people probably to subscribe just to see that series alone. Yeah, because I, I opened up YouTube and, and then I saw like, oh, the Mandalorian trailer. And I clicked on it and it's somebody holding a camera. So I turned it off. Uh-huh. So I, I, I want to see it, you know, as it as how they want it presented rather than somebody holding a camera. Yeah. Or somebody <laughs> holding a phone. <laughs> I, I respect you being able to hold off, Dave. <laughs> but you couldn't. <laughs> no, I couldn't. <laughs> Um, so anyway, yeah, sorry. The Rise of Skywalker um, trailer. Event. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, what an opening shot of like the first piece of footage of the first teaser trailer that we've gotten mm-hmm. for this movie of, of Ray jumping over the um, uh, Kylo ship. I just thought that, that was amazing. And the, the, the music and like how how they have the narration where it's going to be like everything is going to be wrapped up in this movie and you know this is where this part ends and it's like that whole fanfare that you know I I, I got caught up in and 
honestly, it left me speechless, Tim. Like, I, I didn't really know how to react to it. I mean, I loved it, but I, I, I didn't really know how to react to it. I kind of had no words for it, really. I know exactly what you mean. I mean, it, it knocked me on my feet. <laughs> I was totally blown away. And you're right about the opening shot. It was the perfect build-up to what eventually it led up to. And honestly, as I was watching it, part of me was thinking, because the scene of Ray that we see on that desert planet. Now, what desert planet that is? That's the question that <laughs> hasn't been answered yet. But there's a lot of build-up. You see Ray, she's doing some heavy breathing. You know, she's staring out, looking at something. And then you hear Luke's voiceover, which I thought was great. And then you see the TIE fighter. And then Ray does that awesome, she ignites the lightsaber. She does that awesome turnaround, has that pose that looks really cool. And then does that awesome shot of her jumping <laughs> over right. the TIE fighter. Right. Like seeing some Jedi moves we haven't seen before in a live action movie. I mean, part of me thought, you know what? This could be the whole teaser and I'd be okay with it. <laughs> it was that good. <laughs> and it's felt like that shot of her jumping over the TIE fighter would be that money shot to end a quick teaser on. And because yeah, that got me cheering, it got everyone I think at the panel cheering. It was just really, really cool. But so much good stuff followed after that moment. But it was such a cool intro to get for this first look at episode nine, like you said. Yeah, and then of course we gotta talk about it, Tim. the The biggest part of the trailer, I'd say, Billy D. <laughs> He's up there, man. <laughs> As Lando, that was. Um, that was great because yeah. we knew he was going to be in it, but I had no idea he would be piloting the Falcon again. Yeah. So that was a nice surprise and made for an awesome visual to see him have some fun yelling out a screen with Chewie as his co-pilot. It was, it was so good. That was one of those cool like, fan service moments, but one that works really well and just got everyone cheering, I think. So that was another great moment. Yeah, I didn't think he was going to make the trailer, or at least the first trailer that we saw. Um but yeah, great, great to see him back. Um, he's got he he's got Han's clothes on again. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but I do like it's kind of a mix of Lando's you know style that we've seen in the original trilogy, but also he's his shirt is yellow like he had from Solo, so oh, kind of mixing in the the old and the new Lando. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then finally, we have Palpatine back apparently. Wow, or at least just, laughing, wow. or at least laughing. <laughs> <Tim. laughs> Maybe they, they they brought back. Um, oh, I, I forget his name. Ian uh, McDonald is it? McDermott. McDermott, right? Maybe they just got him back just to do that one laugh, and that's it. I mean, Ian McDermott <laughs> is kind of playing that up, like yeah. in an interview that he did, and at the Phantom Menace panel, he says, "Oh, I just thought I'd stop by for a laugh <laughs> during the episode nine battle." Oh, but. JJ has done tons of interviews and Kathleen Kennedy, and they have confirmed, though, he's been on set, he's filmed stuff, and JJ even said he's still thankful that that aspect of the film didn't get leaked at all. He was worried because, like I said, he was on set filming, and he thought someone might have took a photo or leaked that information out, and it didn't. Or, at the very least, maybe it did somewhere on the internet, but didn't come across my attention, and I'm all thankful for that, because wow, what a way to end the trailer. And it's such a cool moment because we get that great shot, the final shot of the trailer, actually, where we see Ray, Finn, Poe, Chewie, uh, 3PO, BB-8, and the new droid, Dio. And first off, it's just great to see 
the three main hero characters together in the movie because we haven't had that yet in Force Awakens or The Last Jedi. And they made a point to say that in the panel that Ray Finn and Poe will spend a good amount of time in this movie together. Like we saw that shot too, which is cool to see. But we see them looking at this vast, you know, waterscape. And in the background, there's some rubble and wreckage. And it ends up being the Death Star, which I got to admit, I didn't even realize right away the first yeah, time me I neither. saw it. I me thought neither, it was just him. Well, I'm glad I'm not alone. <laughs> because I thought it was just, they were just looking out and it was like mountains or like these islands amongst the water. And then on the second time, I was like, oh, wait, that's actually the Death Star. Oh, man. <laughs> like, yeah. This is more stuff to think about. But what I loved how it led into Palpatine's laugh is the bit of Luke's dialogue that he had. Now, this is something that he was taken from The Last Jedi, where he says, no one's ever really gone. And it's such, I love that line in The Last Jedi. It's such an emotional thing to say as he's talking to Leia when she meant, when they're talking about Han. And you think that's going to be the case in the trailer. It's for, you know, one of our heroes. But once he says, no one's ever really gone, and then you hear that familiar laugh and that crackle of Palpatine. I was like, oh my goodness, they're they're bringing Palpatine back. Oh, wow, this this changes everything about the sequel trilogy. And that's what I love about it. It's just, it was a shocker. But the more I think about it, I mean, we don't know how he's coming back. I have some theories. Everyone has a bunch of theories. <laughs> but regardless of what those theories are and what ends up being in the movie, I just like the idea that Palpatine is going to be the main thread as far as a villain and antagonist goes throughout all nine movies i just love that aspect because um i started i mean obviously i was thinking about this trailer and palpatine being in it so much <laughs> after we found out it just made me realize that you know the first six episode palpatine's the bad guy behind everything at all behind everything throughout all those six movies and then this is a nine chapter saga so we have the main villain for six but then for the last three it's someone different, but yet it's still remnants of what Palpatine built. And it, to me, I mean, it worked. I was accepting that and I was enjoying what I was getting. But now that you have Palpatine being in episode nine, and if it plays out where the First Order and even Snoke was all part of his design, maybe he was manipulating Snoke and it was his for his purpose to have Snoke be in charge of the First Order, get taken out and have Kylo rule it. I mean, we don't know if that's going to be the case or if Palpatine is just going to be revived or showing up in Episode 9 because Snoke's not there and maybe the events that unfold in Episode 9. We'll have to wait and see. But I just like the idea that Palpatine will now be the main villain for all nine movies or at least a part. Again, he wasn't in Episode 8 or 7 or 8, but I really hope he was in the background, so to speak, where everything was going according to plan in those movies, and now he's making his presence known again in Episode Nine, thus being the main villain of the Skywalker saga. And it only seems right for the final chapter to include Palpatine and have that final showdown between good and the ultimate evil in the galaxy, which was Palpatine. So I just love that he's back on so many levels. Maybe he'll bring him back as a ghost. You know, I mean, if you think about it, I hope I not. To it. be honest. Yeah, but if Jedi can do it, so can Sith, right? No, because Lucas really made a point to say that's something Sith can't do. It's a selfless act that the Jedi do in order to maintain consciousness and become four spirits after they die. And the Sith are not selfless, they're selfish. They always want to cling to 
life, the physical presence, and that's why they can't attain that immortality of living beyond after death as a force spirit. So Lucas, I was always a big focal point of Lucas's story and explanation between and of, of force ghosts and how Jedi and Sith. Um, mm. One's able to do it and one's not. And another thing I like that JJ revealed, he said that he did meet with Lucas before writing the script for episode nine. And I would have to imagine a big part of the discussion would be how to have Palpatine back. And I also like to think that in Lucas's original treatments for the sequel trilogy, it was always part of his story idea to bring Palpatine back to end the Skywalker saga with him as the big bad guy, as I was saying. So a lot of that has me excited as well is that Lucas, you know, was involved with the development a little bit. I mean, we'll see how much JJ took out of their conversation and put in the script. But I just like the idea that even though he did meet with Lucas and hopefully took the ideas Lucas had and the explanations, that would make sense in the previous established canon and rules, I guess, of how uh, the Sith and Jedi work could be applied to bringing Palpatine back here. So, yeah, I guess. Sorry to poo-poo on your theory right there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see um, uh, Lucas directed uh, a scene or something in, in Game of Thrones? Yeah, that was yeah. cool to see. It was a funny surprise. And funny, they didn't even uh, realize he was going to be on set. They thought it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone got nervous when he came. <laughs> it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I I loved it, Tim. I... I I thought this is this was the best trailer they've done so far, um, uh, with the second being the first Force Awakens trailer we got. Um, but yeah, I I loved it. Yeah, I agree. It is up there as one of the best. I think just might be the best actually. For I mean, because the, the trailer itself, a lot of beautiful shots. It was edited edited together. Great, great music, like you said. Great dialogue overdubbed by Luke. But then you throw in Palpatine, and then we didn't even talk about this yet. The title reveal, The Rise of Skywalker. Man, I, I can't say enough how happy I was to see that title, the name Skywalker, <laughs> be a part of the title of Episode Nine. And man, I totally get and appreciate why they decided to not reveal the title until we got the trailer. Because it made for a really special moment to get to, or to see the words, The Rise of Skywalker, come up. And that's how we found out what the name of episode nine is going to be. And that title, I mean, that's a whole nother topic to the, to speculate on and guess what it exactly means. But I loved it. I just love how it's showing that the legacy of the Skywalker name is going to be, you know, a focal point of the movie and something prevalent probably throughout the narrative of episode nine and how the Skywalker saga is going to wrap up. So that was another big surprise. And if I got to be honest, Dane, that was probably my favorite part of the trailer. <laughs> really? Seeing wow. the word, the rise of Skywalker, not a visual shot, just seeing some text and what that means. It was amazing to see. I cannot be happier with the title. Uh, you Skywalker. <laughs> bad boys. <laughs> it, you remember how much I was banging on the drum for Ray to be a Skywalker or a Solo, yeah. and that didn't happen in The Last Jedi, and I was worried that at the end of the day, the Skywalker name would be something that would end on a negative note. But now that it looks to be such a big focal point of Episode Nine and the legacy, I think that's going to be, it's going to leave when the movie is over. It's going to establish itself as something that, even though we'll see what happens with Kylo, 
But if there are no more Skywalkers, the name will live on and have significance throughout the galaxy. Because I have theories about, you know, maybe Ray will either, you know, establish or take on the Skywalker name at some point. She, but the thing I'm really, uh, my theory that I think might play out, the one I'm kind of clinging to the most right now, is that all this talk about the Jedi needed to end by Luke and the Last Jedi, maybe Ray does come to realize that. And then she decides to establish a new order of Force users. And instead of calling them Jedi, there will be Skywalkers or Skywalker. And that is what the rise of Skywalker represents, the rise of a new order, probably one that will be more successful than the Jedi ever could be, and thus being called Skywalker, and then showing the significance of the Skywalker bloodline and the name through that. But there's so many other theories. I know some people think, oh, maybe it does represent Rey. JJ is going to make it turn out where she is a Skywalker. It doesn't mean Kylo. Some people say, is Luke going to come back? Anakin? So there's so many different theories that are out there. But right now, I don't think it necessarily means Rise of Skywalker means one specific person. I just think it means a Skywalker name in general. Or what it could be is they, they could have a Skywalker banner. And then, you know how, like, if you're in, your basketball team wins a championship, uh-huh. they, they put the banner up on the roof. <laughs> Maybe it's the, the Rise of Skywalker. It's a Skywalker uh, banner. It's like, like, yeah, like a baseball pennant. Yeah, yeah right, right. <laughs> Well, Dane, I think you cracked it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> All the speculations we've had, I think that's going to be it. They defeat Palpatine. They go maybe go back to the old Jedi Temple on Coruscant at the very last shot. And then you see Rey raising the Skywalker pennant. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then it goes to the credits. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I hope they don't make Rey a Skywalker. Like, oh, Luke secretly had a child. Mm. I'm yeah, with I you on that. I hope they don't do that. I kind of moved on from that now, and I'm accepting what was established in The Last Jedi and think, like I just said, she doesn't have to be a Skywalker for that name to continue on and have a legacy now. So I'm with you. Yeah. I think the point is is you don't have to be somebody, right? Like you can just be like a regular person. I think that story would work better rather than copy Luke's story where he comes from, you know, his father was this great Jedi and then he turned evil and you know, I think they should do something different rather than just copy a story. Yeah. But at the same time, like, I don't think they should have it where anyone could be like Ray, Luke and Anakin. Cause they're, I think they're special cases of how strong they are in the force. And I think Ray is a product of either the force at work. And now Palpatine back, maybe this is all like Ray being the strong is all part of his plan as well. And his manipulation and maybe needs her for a purpose. So there's all these different theories that you could go about with it. But I do like the idea, you know, the stuff of legend and mythology, how there are these special people and who have special abilities that everyone does and which makes them special. So I kind of know what you're saying, but at the same time, I do like it where (laughs) there is that specialness to these characters um, that we have that can show, you know, sometimes that we need to look up to. So I, it, it kind of makes me, more interested in what they're going to do next for the next trilogy of movies or whatever they're going to do in the future. I mean, are they going to still reference the Skywalkers and Palpatine and whoever, or are they just going to make a trilogy that's not related to that at all? You know, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be more focused on Ray and what she 
she's going to do, you know? Well, I think it's going to be a good long while before we get anything that happens after episode nine. Yeah. All signs are pointing to that after episode nine, we're going to go way back in the timeline. It's looking like Knights of the Old Republic is where we're going next. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Um, uh, MTV News just kind of straight up asked Kathleen Kennedy about Knights of the Old Republic and saying that's something fans want. She actually says, yes, that is something we're working to develop. <laughs> and yeah. we know uh, 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 David Benioff and D.B. Weiss from Game of Thrones, they're, they're the next ones up for the next theatrical releases of Star Wars films. And there's rumors that that's what they were working on is Knights of the Old Republic. Then you hear what Kathleen Kennedy says. I mean, it just makes too much sense <laughs> that that is the direction they're going to go. And she's also made comments saying how this is our opportunity to explore different eras of the timeline that, you know, are so far removed from the Skywalker saga that creators can have freedom to almost do whatever they want, so to speak, without affecting the events that happen through episodes one through nine. So I think we're going to, after nine, we're going back in the timeline and not forward, oh, at least for a good while. That's weird. I mean, like, are, are, are they going to give Bioware credit? Because they created that, right? The the Knights of the Old Republic. Uh, there were some comics it? before the game came oh. out that explored the Old Republic. So, but I mean, if they use like Darth Revan or Malak, yeah. <laughs> then <laughs> I think they definitely would. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I mean, I'm excited for nine. Obviously, I cannot wait. I mean, I was excited before we got this trailer, but man, it just. If it can go, I didn't even think it can go higher, but it did. <laughs> with everything it's bringing to the table, with how good it looks, Palpatine, the title of Rise of Skywalker, what it could mean for the saga as a whole. There's just so much to be excited about for the Rise of Skywalker. And it feels like it's so far away right now because we just got that trailer and we're so excited. But uh, we should get to December pretty quickly if time has <laughs> proven to show us that it goes quicker and quicker every year. So now is one of the times I really want it to go quicker <laughs> because yeah. I cannot wait to see this movie. I mean, it's just, it's just looking incredible and I just can't wait to see how JJ wraps it up. The Skywalker saga. And I love how in every interview he's saying this is, we have the responsibility to not only wrap up our trilogy, but the previous episodes that came before it episodes one through eight. So that's a responsibility and a challenge, but he's saying, you know, he thinks he got it, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it only took nine movies to tell that story. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) At a period where we thought it was only going to be six. Yeah. (laughs) So who knows, maybe 10, 15 years down the line, we will get episodes 10, 11, and 12. (laughs) You know, it makes me uh, curious, like, how people are going to react to it, because... I mean, you know, there's that whole controversy with The Last Jedi. You didn't yeah. even like it, Tim. And at first. At well, first. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't hate it right away. There was just a lot of stuff I had to wrap my head around that didn't sit right for me. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes me wonder if like this is going to be a return to everybody loves it or mm-hmm. the majority loves it. There's no infighting or if we're going to go back to the last Jedi stuff, man. I hope so not to go back to the last Jedi yeah. stuff where fans are divided, <laughs> but hope that it brings everyone back. And of course you're going to have people that don't like it. I mean, which was the case for force awakens, but man, it wasn't even on the level of the stuff that happened with the last Jedi. And I don't think it's yeah. going to come to that. I, I really think Lucasfilm was aware of the backlash that the last Jedi got from a good portion of fandom and people. I don't even like to call fans who were just, you know, unrealistically, just complaining about stuff that shouldn't be complained about. So I think it's going to be something where 
they look to were, you know, they caught. Uh, see, it's hard to say because directors and writers should have the creative freedom to do what they want, but at the same time, there is probably an arena, an arena they should stick with as far as Star Wars storytelling goes, and not to go too far out there with certain things. So, which maybe was the case in certain aspects of the Last Jedi that people had problems with. So, I think maybe they're aware of that and just knowing, you know what lane I guess to stay in so to speak I don't know it's the tricky subject to talk about when you're talking about the creative visions and all that type of stuff and honoring what yeah. came before so but I think uh, I think JJ's going to land land the plane with this one I love what he's saying in interviews obviously I'm loving what I'm seeing in yeah. the trailer so yeah. now we just got to see it well we definitely have one more trailer probably in October and I'm sure that's just going to be the same thing with this one it's just going to make me more excited to see it <laughs> Yeah, it's a tricky thing, you know, because if you think about The Last Jedi, it's a character study, right? It's not mm. so much action and adventure and going on this great thing and doing these great things, you know? It's more of like a character study, more like the, I'd say, three quarters of Empire Strikes Back. It's more mm. like a character study rather than this big adventure that we're going on and you know these wacky characters it's more <laughs> so it's about finding that right um yeah that right mixture of okay so like here we're gonna talk about or we're gonna dive deep into this person's character who this person is but we're also gonna go on this adventure you know mm. so and i think that's what people missed in the last jedi because if you really think about it, it's it's re- it's a really dark movie. And yeah. I guess people don't like that with their Star Wars movies. You know, they they don't like to think about the characters just as long as the character has a lightsaber. You know? I think it's just the characters that they pictured in their head for so long, which is a which was the case with Luke in the movie. I mean, we haven't seen him in a Star Wars film for thirty years, and everyone's built up expectations, myself included, about how he would be post return of the Jedi. And it was yeah. totally different than we were expecting. And I've come to love what Ryan Johnson did with Luke, except for him tossing the lightsaber over his head. That's something I wish <laughs> was done a little differently. But as far as the arc that he goes on, I think it's great and, you know, relatable to a lot of people as well. So I think there's a lot of aspects of Luke's characterization of the last Jedi that gets overlooked, but is really good. Some of the stuff I still have a problem with the last Jedi. It just, Stuff that doesn't feel like Star Wars to me is a lot of the the humor and stuff, the way certain things play out as far as musical cues and just visualization on certain things. It just doesn't, doesn't it feels off. But at the same time, that doesn't ruin the movie for me. I mean, it doesn't take away from the narrative of The Last Jedi that I love so much about it. Yeah. It's just something that there's more annoyances to me than anything, but not something where I just absolutely hate it and it ruins the entire movie and I can't watch it anymore. <laughs> and it's ruined the legacy of Star Wars. It's like none of that. My issues are it are stuff that um, don't affect the story aspect of it, which I love a lot, even though it took me a while, to, or I shouldn't say a while, a viewing or two <laughs> to kind of appreciate what he was trying to do there. But in the end, at the end of the day, it was a story that was told really, really well. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. I mean, you, you, you said it perfectly. It's, I think, you know, maybe controversially that the last Jedi is the best written star Wars movie. Um, I just think it is, um, followed closely by uh, The Last Jedi, I mean, um, The Force Awakens. I just think it's a, those two movies are written really great. 
And if I had one complaint, Tim, I'd say it goes on for a bit too long on The Last Jedi does. Okay. Um, it is the longest Star Wars movie. Yeah. Like, w- when they get to that planet, I forget the name of it, with the space foxes. Great. Yeah. Great, right. Great. Yeah, it's like they have that standoff and say, like, okay, this is going on a bit too long. Like, let's wrap things up. And it's like, oh, no, we're not, now we got to get out of a cave now. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, yeah, it, it, that's my only complaint. But, yeah, I, th- I think The Last Jedi is the best written Star Wars movie. Yeah, I mean, as you said, kind of controversial that that opinion might be. I know you're not the only one. That's why that movie just man s- split right down split the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Those who love it and just yeah. hate it, it's just crazy. <laughs> but I'll be here for even though sometimes a Star Wars movie not click with me right away, I'll still be here to watch it and let it, you know, let it show, show me why a director or writer did what they did with it and help me try to appreciate it, which is what happened with the Last Jedi and how it fits in with the overall saga, I think it's going to be fine when it's all set and done. If you watch all episodes one through nine, I think it'll fit really perfectly with regarding to how, if episode nine wraps up as I think, as well as I think it will be, then last year I should fit right nicely before it. So we shall see only a few more months to go, but we'll be here <laughs> eagerly anticipating to see it. It's going to be crazy, crazy good. So will. All right. So with that, we can go into a few news and dis- news and discussion topics on this episode. And first up, mainly the discussion portion <laughs> of this part of the episode is going to be next because I'm going to be giving a review of the latest DC animated movie, Justice League versus the Fatal Five. And this one kind of snuck up on me as far as its release it, because since like not too long ago, just watching the Reign of Superman or Reign of the Superman, I should say. And Justice League Fatal Five was just right around the corner and it's out on Blu-ray. So got a chance to check it out this week. And I was excited going into it because this was pretty much a continuation of the Justice League animated series continuity continuing on for the first time in years. And we got the original voice actors back for Kevin Conroy as Batman, Susan Eisenberg as Wonder Woman, George Newbern as Superman, which was awesome. I mean, we all, you all know how much <laughs> I love their performances in the DC animated universe. So the fact that they're back and they're going to be voicing their characters in the Justice League animated series art style because they have voiced their characters in other movies, but the art style was different. But the visual look of this movie just screams Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And it was exciting. So going into the movie, I was excited. And after I saw it, I'm really happy to say it delivered on the hype. This one was really, really good. Probably one of the better ones as far as Justice League film goes in, in a while, I would say. This one, it nailed, it was just like watching another episode or movie of the Justice League animated series. The art style, it just felt so refreshing seeing that visual again. I kind of forgot how much I missed it and just how much I loved that look. And this version of the Justice League, seeing them look that way and then hearing the voice actors that we've heard, we've heard voice them for years. It was just really, really cool. But, um, I mean, that can't just carry a movie. Thankfully, the story and the new characters that it introduced work really well. And the ones that were in this movie, the two new characters who were the focal points were Starboy, who's from the Legion of Superheroes and travels back in time to stop the Fatal Five. Um, from There were three members of the Fatal Five who broke into uh, the Legion of Superheroes base and stole a time machine. Those characters being Mono, Thorak, and Persuader 
because they're trying to free the other two members of the Fatal Five, Validus and the leader Emerald Empress. They're being held uh, in the past, but we don't know why just yet. And that ends up being a cool reveal for me. But so Starboy goes back in time, but he's a character who suffers from schizophrenia. So he has, you know, mental illness that affects him. And on his way back in time, his, his medicine got broke and he wasn't able to take it. So his mind's kind of on the fritz as he goes into the past and he ends up being locked up in Arkham because uh, he gets called on the police and Batman ends up stopping him and he's in Arkham for 10 months. And we get a, a pretty cool sequence of him in Arkham and interacting with Two-Face. And it's just the classic Batman, new new adventures of Batman and Batman, the animated series design of Two-Face, who was voiced by Bruce Timm, by the way, who did a pretty good uh, Two-Face impression from the old style of Richard Mall, who did his voice in the animated series, which was a fun little surprise. Then there were certain cameo appearances like Harley and Ivy. So that was fun to see. But then also the other main new character who I think was the breakout character of the movie, the Green, the Jessica Cruz Green Lantern. She's probably the more recent Green Lantern addition to uh, Earth Sector 2814. So she was making her animated debut here, and I couldn't be happier that it is part of the Justice League animated series continuity. And there are references to Jon Stewart. She mentions, you know, because uh, she is reluctant to be working with the Justice League and to use the Green Lantern ring. And she's a character who kind of suffers from anxiety. Um, and they explored that really well, I felt. She witnessed her and her friends, two of her friends were out hiking in the woods and they stumble across uh, this shadowy character. Looks like he's burying a body. Or I can't remember if there's something else with it, but he was burying something. And they see him and he couldn't let them escape. So he ties them up, takes some hostages. And she sees him kill her two best friends and she was going to be next. But she ends up escaping and hurts herself. But it was just such a traumatic experience that she's now suffering from anxiety and has anxiety attacks because of it. So I just like that they're exploring these new directions with superheroes, but yet who suffer, you know, problems, everyday problems that uh, people, just ordinary citizens would like uh, anxiety and those who suffer from schizophrenia and mental illness. So I just like that they're showing that those type of people with those uh uh, qualifications would be could be superheroes as well which was nice to see but she had a great arc throughout the course of the movie seeing her use the green lantern ring even though she was reluctant at first learning how to use it and be working with the justice league it all played out really really well i loved what they did with her character and so the reason that the fatal five go back in time is because the legion of superheroes in prison validus and emerald empress but they didn't have any facilities in their time that can hold such powerful beings. So, but they knew in the past there was a place that could, and that was, you know what? <laughs> I probably should have said this from the beginning, but spoilers for the movie as I'm going into certain specific plot details right now. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to hold off because I love some of the surprises we got at this point in the movie. And the place that the Legion of Superheroes sent Emerald Empress and Validus back in time was the planet Oa. And the, the holding cells that they have are like the best in the galaxy <laughs> where no superpowered villain can escape. So the whole point of the other three members of the Fatal Five going back in time was to find the current Green Lantern on Earth, which was Jessica Cruz. And they needed her to access Oa. And to do that, they would attack, you know, different parts of the Earth, Metropolis. And Metropolis was the only one they named, but they fought in a few different areas um, over the course of the movie. So they were just saying, 
you know, if you want us to stop, we need the Green Lantern to come with us, which she ends up doing, even though Batman tells her not to. Uh, she has to do what she feels is right to protect you know, the Earth. So she goes with them. She takes them to Oa, and she gets the Green Lanterns to um, try and play on his name, Salix, I believe, or Syx. Um, kind of like the bug Green Lantern with a lot of, a lot of arms, <laughs> who is in charge of security pretty much of the holding cells on Oa. She says she's here to transfer prisoners, and she says it's a code green. So she goes to take the Fatal Five members to release their leaders. But when she's about to open the cell, Kilowog shows up and Sy- <laughs> Again, blanking on that Green Lantern's name. I got to look it up. But um, once Kilowog show up, they had a very cool action sequence, which I wasn't expecting even to go to Oa. But the fact that um, we went to Oa and had a cool action sequence with Kilowog and Salak, that's the name of the Green Lantern. Now I got it. So Salak shows up and just seeing more cool Green Lantern action in a movie with constructs galore. It was just really cool. So I wasn't expecting that to show up, but it made for a really great moment. But unfortunately, their plan to stop the Fatal Five failed. They got the upper hand and got Emerald Empress and Validus out of there. And they pretty much destroyed the holding cells. They had it crumbled on uh, Kilowog, Salak, and Jessica Cruz. But there's a great moment of Jessica Cruz showing you know, how capable she is of being a Green Lantern because that's the whole point of why the ring chose her and chooses everyone. You have the ability to overcome great fear. And even though she probably couldn't realize that as she was suffering from her anxiety, she showed it in that moment where she said the classic oath and just got the will and strength she needed to get because her ring got busted in that fight. But her will was strong enough to repair it and get everyone out of there. It was just a great moment. And then um, as we see her return to Earth, the Fatal Five, their plan is to pretty much blow up the sun so Earth can be destroyed and everyone get killed off right now. And then when they travel back to their time in the future, they will be able to rule it without anyone opposing them. There would be no Legion of Superheroes. So um, they have to face off against the Justice League. And there is some great action in this movie it really delivered on that front as well. Everyone had their moment to shine. Superman has some great moments. Wonder Woman, Mr. Terrific, and Miss Martian, who was pretty much Batman's partner in this film, but they had a great dynamic too. But the coolest bit of action came with Batman fighting uh, the Fatal Five member, Mono, who's pretty much has like this hand of death, which is like a fiery hand, which melts anything it touches. And the moves that Batman did, the agility, the combat was just awesome. Again, even though the action was great, it was made even better by seeing it in that classic Justice League animation style with Kevin Conroy voicing Batman. It was just so cool. Batman takes him down in an awesome way, hitting pressure points on his body, which no matter how strong and this character Mono could be, Batman even tells him, you know, everyone has pressure points, human or non-human, and he just exploited that and was able to take him down. It was awesome to see. I loved that moment so much. Uh, but then Jessica Cruz comes after the Justice League were all incapacitated by Emerald Empress and her all-seeing eye, uh, she had a great moment just really going all out as a Green Lantern, creating these cool constructs, taking all of the Fatal Five members out, and just showing how strong the Green Lantern ring could be in the right hands. It was just awesome. So um, she's able to stop the Fatal Five, but um, she sent uh, Emerald Empress sent that eye to the Sun's Court to destroy it. And the only way to stop it was for Starboy, who her, who him and Jessica Cruz formed a bond 
over kind of being uh, the new guys here with the Justice League and suffering from problems. And he has the powers, the only way to stop the eye from destroying uh, the sun is that he has to hold it together um, through his power. So he pretty much sacrifices himself by going into the sun and holding it all together, which more than likely is going to have to stay for eternity. So um, he sacrificed himself and they were able to stop the Fatal Five. So um, movie ends kind of on a somber, but happy note because they're all at a funeral for Starboy. And then the Legion comes from the future to pay the respects to the fallen comrade. But um, you see, you know, the hope of, you know, Jessica Cruz really coming to terms with her powers and being a Green Lantern and being a hero. So a lot of great stuff. The story was great. Characters were great. The action was phenomenal. And there was a lot of uh, DC animated universe Easter eggs planted throughout. There's a great moment where Batman, Miss Martian, and Jessica Cruz go into the mind of Starboy and they see the future and just how they honor the Justice League and seeing the designs of the different Justice League members that we saw from the animated series. It was really cool. And there was also a fun Robin Easter egg <laughs> that Miss Martian uh, does for Batman. So a lot of great stuff. As someone who's loved the entire DC animated universe, getting this movie was a dream come true pretty much because we're continuing on that continuity. And Bruce Tim even said in an interview, he goes, as far as I'm concerned, this is in the same continuity as Justice League. And you could tell because, like I said, they had some pretty cool references and Easter eggs there. So I loved it. I was looking forward to it, but this turned out to be a pleasant a surprise as far as it being better than I expected. So this one's, I think, definitely a must-see. I'm going to give it four and a half out of five as far as the rating goes. This one was really, really good. I think will be up there as one of my favorite uh, DC animated movies. Wow! Yeah, is it because of the old. <laughs> is it because of the old art style? That played a big role for it, but at the same time, I knew that going in. Yeah. And still wasn't sure how the story and new characters were going to be, but they really delivered on both of those fronts. It was really, really well done. Mm, I see. So I recommend checking it out. <laughs> okay. I will then, because I, I, everything that I consumed him mm. entertainment wise goes through you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. At least in the geeky world type of stuff. Right. Right. So like if let's say Endgame doesn't come up, uh, the, isn't that very isn't that good mm-hmm. you're like oh i don't really know if you should see it dane i'm not gonna see it until it's on video on the map. disney plus <laughs> disney plus sorry yeah <laughs> yeah well you'll probably be hearing about endgame on our next episode <laughs> so. oh right it comes out uh next week yeah uh uh-huh. yeah, hey, when, when this episode drops endgame will be out so Oh, right, right. Yeah. I can't wait. I still got to continue on my... I kind of do a whole Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch, but I just wanted to rewatch all the Avengers movies, plus yeah. Captain America Civil War, because that's pretty much an Avengers movie, too. <laughs> so I got to make sure I watch all 20 those. movies? They're up to 20, 22 now, I think. 22? Um, yeah, I, I believe that's the final count. But um, the other bit of uh, news that we have is regarding uh, Season 2 of Titans... And it is confirmed that Bruce Wayne will be a part of that season. And he'll be played by Ian Glenn, who plays Jorah Mormont on Game of Thrones, who, which is the only role I'm familiar with him as. But um, I, I'm looking forward to seeing him as Bruce Wayne. He's definitely an older, will be an older version of Bruce that we're going to get in the series. And I believe I heard someone say that there were some set pictures, which I haven't seen, but he still has his 
light brown hair or blonde hair that he has in Game <laughs> of Thrones. So we're going to get a Bruce with a different hairstyle and color <laughs> in Titans. But I just think it's cool he's going to be part of the season. Um, Destro is going to be a part of it. So there's a lot of stuff about season two um, that should sound sounds pretty cool. It should be pretty good. So I just got to watch season one, which yeah. might be sooner rather than later. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, um, I watched the season eight premiere of game of thrones mm, i told i yeah i totally forgot that jorah was still alive i thought he died <laughs> from the rash thing what is it the iron oh, uh, or something grayscale grayscale right i thought he died from that <laughs> no yes sam nursed him back to health and peeled off all that grayscale which you know didn't make for one of the more you know gross uh, <laughs> of the show, seeing him peel off that skin thankfully right. i don't think they showed him peel every scale off <laughs> just enough to make you realize it was an unpleasant ordeal for jorah that's for sure yeah so yeah it should be cool to see him as bruce wayne i think he can do a, a pretty good job um just going off of what i've seen of him on game of thrones he doesn't scream bruce wayne to me but um, I'm looking forward to seeing this interpretation of Bruce on Titans. Yeah. But as we were hinting out er- earlier, this is going to be the final episode, Dane, where I will not be complaining about the DC Universe app not being on consoles. <laughs> right. Anyone who's tired of hearing me complaining about that, moan and groan, how I'm still <laughs> waiting, it's never going to come, when are they going to do it? I can't watch these shows because it's not on consoles. That's over now because <laughs> they finally announced DC Universe is coming to Xbox One beginning next week in April. They didn't give a specific date. They just said um, next week, which would be the week from April 22nd to the 27th. So sometime next week, it'll be on Xbox One. I will be downloading it. I will be subscribing to it. And I'll finally be able to watch Titans and Doom Control and get all the new comics that they're putting out there. Well, I shouldn't say new comics, but <laughs> all the new comics from the DC library and archive that they're putting on the service. It's all going to be there finally on my console. And God's about time. <laughs> That's all I could say. Hopefully this builds uh, more of, some, of a subscription base to the service. Because I know a lot of people were asking it to be on consoles. And it's taking them longer than they should. But... So Sam, I think it was only you. I think it was only you. That was that. <laughs> <laughs> would they would they really listen though if it was only me? <laughs> I like to think <laughs> I have that much power, but <laughs> well, you do have a point there. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's, it doesn't sound like it should have been on there from the get go. Like we're talking about Disney Plus being on consoles at the start. Just such a wide install base that people who have consoles would think to use their systems for would to be buy and download those apps so it just makes perfect sense and i just don't understand why it took them so long but that's over now i'm finally gonna be able to subscribe and see all this stuff and i'm looking forward to it it is funny though that a few days after they announced that um two days ago or yeah two days ago once there was a new teaser for swamp thing that came out and that actually looks really good the design of swamp thing looks pretty darn accurate to the comics and looks pretty impressive but i think the only reason they released that teaser because there was a report that came out saying um, Swamp Thing's 13 episode count got trimmed down to 10, and there's reports saying oh, the D- Disney, uh, or not Disney Universe, the Dis- DC Universe, uh, his future may be in trouble, going to be integrated into 
Warner Brothers, uh, Home Media's entertainment streaming service coming pretty soon. So it's like all these unanswered questions. I was like, oh, figures. Once now that they announced it's coming on Xbox One, there's an uncertainty with its future. <laughs> like perfect timing. But there's been some other reports saying, no, that's not the case. DC Universe is going to be here for the foreseeable future. You got all these shows planned. Stargirl, Swamp Thing, Titan Season 2. So for the foreseeable future anyway, it's going to be here for be here for a bit longer. So um, I should get a, at least a good amount of time out of my subscription unless something does happen and change. But <laughs> for right now, I'm happy just to finally get it on my Xbox and watch all the stuff. So well, you see, I, 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 I thought it was because they were canceling it. Um, the the Swamp Thing show. No, well, maybe it'll only get one season. We don't know, but yeah. the season one count is now just ten episodes. And from what I'm hearing now, it's mainly due to creative differences and stuff. So we'll we'll see what it ends up really being. Maybe that's just PR spin. But yeah, um, right now everyone's saying the DC universe is still going pretty strong. So, oh, I see. Which is good news for me. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, no more complaining for me. I can officially put that to bed <laughs> unless they they decide to cancel the playstation xbox uh release of the dc app why do you gotta say that dave <laughs> <laughs> why do you always gotta make me worry about something <laughs> I, i'm just just looking looking in the future to prevent future upset tim yeah keeping my expectations in check huh <laughs> <laughs> No, well, man, if that happens, uh, let the complaining never stop. <laughs> <laughs> but no, next episode, I should hopefully be raving about how much I love the service and like in the TV show. So hopefully that'll be something you're hearing on the next episode and not me complaining that they scrapped it on Xbox or there was technical issues that prevented it from being on there. And there's more delays. So <laughs> hopefully that is not the case because I do not want it to be. I really want to start enjoying the DC universe app, which I'm hearing a lot of people enjoy. So we should, that should hopefully be the case next week and I'm excited for it. But with that, that's pretty much going to be it for our news and discussion topics, which can take us right into our comic book reviews, which uh, for this episode, we're going to be covering Batman number 69 and Detective Comics number 1001. <laughs> it sounds funny saying that now. We're in the thousands for Detective Comics, but it's still so cool. And as always, we'll be going through spoilers on these issues. So if you haven't read them yet, you might want to hold off on reading them. And then once you do, come back and hear what we have to say on them. And for our rating scale, the amount of months of complaining Tim did for the DC Universe app not being on consoles. <laughs> now that we got a definitive uh, number of months that it took for it to be on the consoles, I think that can make a fitting rating scale. So, a lot of months. Yeah, I don't know if yeah. any of all of these issues are going to reach to the heights <laughs> of the amount of months it took, but we'll see if any of them get close. But first up, a Batman number 69. And we're still on the Nightmare story arc from Tom King that Bruce is going on. And I know I didn't get to review the last issue, but the one I did previously, which dealt with the question, uh, pretty much interviewing Selena Kyle, I felt it was that was going to start wrapping up the Nightmare arc. But it's still going on. And I got to say, man, I'm really ready for this to end and <laughs> to move on. And it's fitting because the issue is pretty much um, Bruce and Selena sharing a dance in, in the dream sequence that Bruce is having. And I got to say, it seems like the same old dance <laughs> I've seen in several issues now in the story arc 
with Bruce and Selena ever since um, she left him and they didn't get married. He's kind of ready for this to get resolved. And because they just were kind of repeating the same old beats I felt that Tom King had in this issue. Um, I will say the art in this is fantastic. It was beautiful to look at. Art was by uh, Van Nick uh, Paquette. I'm probably butchering the name. <laughs> but Yannick, uh, uh, Yannick Paquette. Uh, yeah, that sounds a lot better than what I did. So. <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Um, but also, uh, the coloring on it is really good. Uh, Nathan uh, Fairburn, if I'm reading that right again, <laughs> probably butchering it. But um, the coloring on it was fantastic. The art is fantastic. This is a beautiful book to look at. And it really kind of captured that dream feeling and like that dreamscape uh, essence that Bruce is having as he's dancing with Selena. And I like the visual style that they were going for. Um, you have Bruce asking Selena to dance in a tuxedo and in her wedding dress. But then we see them go dancing and having a conversation over the course of the different costumes that they've had. Reference year one, the outfits they wore there when they first met, and their different uh, costumes over the years and stories that we've seen them in. Again, it's cool, but we've kind of seen that before from Tom King in these Batman and Catwoman stories. Visually, they're great to look at, but it's just a story beat that uh, is becoming kind of a little too familiar <laughs> between the two of them now. And Bruce just wanting to asked why Selena left him. Uh, they didn't get married. And this stuff we know, but Batman's finally hearing from Selena for the first time, knowing it's because of his vow. And she, she, he doesn't really love her. He's in love you know, with the vow and being Batman. And um, he doesn't believe that's true. He says he loves her and he has to. And Catwoman's telling him, no, you know, you don't. And that's where that's kind of the final bit of the conversation is that, you know, she tells him the dream is done and it's time to wake up. So it's really feeling like now that <laughs> the dream sequence for Bruce is going to be ending with this issue and he hopefully wakes up. And he does go on to say that he's in you know a state where he's been endosed with fear toxin by the Scarecrow. And I got to say, they kind of give a convoluted uh, answer as far as how he's able to fight it and able to get out of it, saying it has to deal with having too much fear toxin can have the opposite effect and it's giving him a way out. Like the toxin cancels each other out if there's too much of it. And Bruce is realizing that. So he has to get his greatest fear to counter that, which is, you know, him losing Selena. So this uh, kind of a lot of maybe over explanations to have him get out of this toxin and dream state that he's in here. So, um, I mean, not my favorite bit that Tom King has done with the Batman and Catwoman stuff here, but um, I appreciate for the visual style that's being brought on or being brought to life on this comic um, with the art style and the coloring that's been done. It, like I said, it looks really beautiful. But the highlight of the issue for me is the side story, which has to deal with Bane and Thomas Wayne. We see them kind of have a sparring session and Bane is getting beat up pretty good by Thomas Wayne. And he kind of uh, takes Tom, Thomas Wayne to task and saying how, you know, He's uh, the man in charge, and but Thomas Wayne's <laughs> like how even though he's working with Bane, he knows that he can take him down if need be, and he gets him pretty good. Um, as Bane thinks he has him, Thomas Wayne goes all off on him. Once Bane says, "You know, I broke Batman. Who are you?" And then Thomas Wayne just you know hands him hands down the punishment. <laughs> he's saying, "You know, I'm the world's greatest detective. I'm the Cape Crusader." I am the Dark Knight. And he's saying, you know, I'm only working with you because, you know, my son needs me. And I, we kind of got a little explanation to why Thomas is working with Bane here. And um, from what I get out of it, 
is this is his only way to truly make Bruce give up the mantle of Batman like he told him to in the button story arc. And yeah, it's probably gonna be painful for Bruce, but in the end, I think Thomas thinks this is what's best for him and he's, he's doing his part to help. He even says, you know, um, he's a child who needs his father and that's why he's doing it. So I can kind of appreciate and understand more Thomas's motivation for working with Bane because, you know, it may seem like he was doing it, that he's actually a villain, but I still see him with his explanation here doing it, you know, as a father who wants to help his son. And I really like that, how that was brought out. So uh, another great point was after Thomas Wayne just beats down Bane, Bane thinks, uh, gets him again and wants to continue the fight and Bane has him pinned down thinking he's going to kill him saying he's had enough of Thomas Wayne and his plans, but he's saying, you know, I'm the one in charge here. I'm Bane. But then he realized Thomas Wayne isn't the Bruce Wayne Batman. Thomas pulls out a gun from his pocket and just points it right at his chin. And that just surprises Bane saying, you know, you're not like him. You cheat. And that's why. And then Thomas says, you're right. I am not like him. And I'm win, and I win because of that. So I love that whole exchange between Thomas and Bane. There is some good stuff. So that was the highlight of the issue for me. And so because of that, I'm only going to give this one three out of five months that Tim spent complaining about the DC Universe app not being on consoles. So the great art and the stuff with Thomas and Bane is really what carried the issue for me. The Batman Catwoman stuff just felt too much of the same for me. And hopefully we're going to be moving past that pretty soon as soon as Bruce wakes up. So, yeah, three out of five. And then moving on from Batman to Detective Comics, number 1001. This is kicking off a new story arc that's going to deal with the Arkham Knight, the comic version of the Arkham Knight. So um, we don't know who it is yet. Hopefully it's not Jason Todd <laughs> like he was in the Arkham Knight video game. So it'll be interesting to see how long they decide to keep it a secret or they'll reveal who he is pretty, pretty soon because I kind of hope it's the latter because sometimes when you drag out a secret identity of a villain that's meant to be a surprise that rarely lives up uh, to the expectation of what you could build in your head and who it could be. So I just rather have us have them tell us who it is and we can just get to know why this character is doing what he's doing to Batman. So, um, but, but none of that's kind of explored in this issue. It basically just starts off with the Arkham Knight um, rattling, I should say, his his own knights are <laughs> called the Knights of the Sun. So he isn't the only one who's going to be taking on Batman. He'll have his own army, so to speak. And like I said, they're called uh, the Knights of the Sun, and they're there to burn back the dark, which you know they view Batman is as the darkness in Gotham that they got to purge out with light. And so that's how the issue begins. But the main thrust of the issue is some that's uh, you know pretty somber and disturbing, which I've never seen in a Batman comic before. But it made sense, and I actually kind of enjoyed it, even though I wasn't happy about it. Uh, I just liked how different it was. Um, Commissioner Gordon and this police officer find a bunch of dead bats at the zoo, or at this park, I should say. And he, uh, Commissioner Gordon calls Batman right away. Then we go to a scene in the Batcave where all the bats in the Batcave are just falling on the ground. They're all dead. And that visual, it really struck me because, like I said, I don't think we've seen something like that happen in the Batcave, I mean, they're Batman's bats. <laughs> the thing, the animal that inspired Batman, the symbol that he uses. I mean, and we knew he always had a bunch of live bats in the cave, and now they're all dead. It just was a striking visual image to me um, because, you know, because of that and seeing them dead on there, you know, wasn't a pretty sight, but I didn't like how it was something different and knew that Peter Tomasi is bringing to the story. So, but 
Bruce is doing an autopsy on several bats, wondering what the problem is. And that leads him to visit one person who probably knows, knows more about bats than Bruce does. And that would be Kirk Langstrom, AKA man bat. Um, but he's actually off with uh, part of the justice league dark team. So he sees, uh, his wife there, Francine Langstrom, who has had the serum as well and is trying to fight the urge to take it. But she ends up succumbing to those urges and she takes the serum despite Batman trying to stop her. And she turns into, you know, the creep, the bat creature as well. And I love the visual design of Francine as, um, her version of man bat or woman bat, I should say, <laughs> because her design is just like how it was from the animated series where um, her lab coat, or uh, the white lab coat she had gets ripped off when she transforms into the creature. And it's just on the sides of, of her body where it's covering, it's just on the sides of her wings. And that's the visual style she had in the animated series. So it's something like they're doing a little homage to how she looked there, which I'll always appreciate an animated series nod. So that made for a fun action sequence with, uh, Batman trying to bring her down as they're flying through uh, the skies of Gotham, crashing into buildings, and uh, Batman realizes she was trying to lead her to a place. And um, there she goes. That's where they go to the Gotham Zoo and the safari exhibit. And once they crash in there, um, she just screams to Batman, you know, like, help them. Like, so many of the bats are dying. And Bruce is asking, you know, show me how, like, tell me how. And But he has to kind of sedate her to bring her back and to get her to her human form again but she's going to be out of it for a while so um before as he's trying to get out of the zoo with francine a big explosion happens and uh, of course gets bruce's attention and thinks you know it's a bomb that went off he asks alfred like how many casualties what's the damage and alfred says there are none and it turns out that it's pretty much just a big bright light that's shining into the sky almost like you know a sun and that brings to the arkham knight and his knights of the sun attacking Batman while at the zoo. And this was another fun action sequence too of seeing Batman take on these knights or he, as he calls them modern knights <laughs> because uh, they have the look of medieval knights but a little modern design to them as well and none of his attacks are having any effect as far as you know his batarangs his uh, bat grapple it can't penetrate through their armor things are just bouncing right off of them even like his smoke gas he tries throwing at them and it just, they have a shield that bounces right back to Batman and he's getting shot with their arrows he's able to take a few of them down but they proved to be too many for him with all their weapons and his uh, gadgets not having the effect that he wants to enable to take him down so he ends up getting taken down by the arkham knight who that's where the comic ends where his foot is on batman's head who's just filled with arrows and is just saying a new day dawns in gotham so um it was a fun issue like i said the stuff with the bats dying and seeing them laying there on the bat cave really struck a chord with me and visually just knowing how important they are to Batman. So I like how they're doing something different as far as a story aspect that some brutes are trying to solve as to why that's happening. And we'll see if the Arkham Knight and the Knights of the Sun play into that, which more than likely they are knowing how much they hate Batman and want to bring him down. So um, good start to this new arc. We'll, I'm curious to see where it goes. And like I said at the beginning, hopefully it won't take too long to find out who is behind the mask of the Arkham Knight. So I'm going to give this one a solid three and a half out of five months that Tim was complaining about the DC Universe app not being on consoles. So it's not long. I was going to say, if these issues are any indication, I didn't have to wait that long after all. <laughs> <laughs> My complaining was for nothing, I guess. I just had to be more patient. <laughs> No, but with that, that's going to be it for this episode. So as always, I'll go ahead and throw it to you, Dane, for the outro. 
All right, so you just go over the Batman Universe at thebatmanuniverse.net, facebook.com slash thebatmanuniverse, or the Twitter handles at Batman at Batman Universe. Uh, you can follow Tim on Twitter. Tim's Twitter handles at TimG311. My Twitter handles at DaneSaysBanana. Um, and you can rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, if you want to email the show, you can email the show at BatFansAndAllPans at gmail.com. Oh, also, uh, the show's Twitter handles at BatFansPodcast. So with that, I'll be seeing the end of every single episode today. We love each and every one of you with all of our Skywalker hearts that are rising. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys next time. See you next time, everybody.